Wait, wait. Somewhere in there I want to make a joke. No, awkwardly insert me saying, yeah, just like Judy Dench getting done talking about cats is like Nick trying to get done talking about Greystoke. That was my good joke. Remember, because you have, kept saying you were done talking about Greystoke, and then you keep talking about it? I have a whole other Tarzan movie to talk about this oh, week. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and Greystoke is, has earned its Academy Award nominations. That it did get. And another thing about Greystoke. Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Pananto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how is it going? <laughs> it's, it's going great, Nick. Sounds like it's going really well for you. How are I've you? had a few. I've had a few. It is, it is Monday night after all. <laughs> so... <laughs> Matt, you live in the Illinois greater area, and you've been on government-mandated work release. How many movies have you seen? I've seen one movie, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I what have ended was up it? being very busy. Um, Please tell me it was Cats. <laughs> no. I told you. I had no interest in seeing either of the movies you tried to tell me I had to watch. I watched a movie called I, Tanya. What? You watched the Tanya Harding movie instead of Cats? I don't see why that's difficult to believe. I begged you to watch Cats. I, I don't care. <laughs> you watched Tanya Harding. I sure did. Oh, God. Uh. Well, I have seen so many movies this week. I'm guessing one of them was Cats. Because I have also been on government-mandated work work release. Well, I still um, have to work. I, uh, I don't, do because my work is very on-site dependent. Yeah. Although I could probably do it from my house using the powers of the internet. But that's not just, just not set up. I create television. You help people with their brains. And those are just everywhere. <laughs> They go wherever the people go. They're <laughs> just all over the ground. So I have seen five movies this week. I have seen Cats from Get 2019. It. I have seen Tarzan, the Ape Man from 1981. I have seen Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom oh my. from 2018. And I have seen Outbreak from 1995. Finally... I was going to say, I thought that was only four. Go ahead. Finally, I have seen Contagion from 2011. Oh, good grief. Well, although I only watched one movie this week, I can share a little discussion with you about most of these movies. Well, yeah, you've seen the majority of them. of them. Yeah. So I am going to do, because before Matt and I got on the telephone machine to talk to each other, I had assumed, had assumed that Matt had seen like 10 movies this week and we were going to have a four hour show. So I was going to limit us to seven minutes per movie. And I'm going to stick with that because I think it'll keep us on track. All right. So I'm hitting the start button <laughs> now. So cats from 2019 directed by tom hooper this movie stars a whole bunch of people what a travesty what a disaster 
well, of a film. At least it wasn't the butthole cut. I don't know if that would have made it better or worse. I really don't. <laughs> the fact that they didn't have buttholes was distracting. Really? I found it distracting. Yeah. Because their asses are on screen the whole time. In fact, the day after we watched it, I made my kids watch the first 20 minutes of it just to see how they would react. Like, I literally watched them watch it because uh-huh. I, I just wanted to see their reactions. Uh, one of them was very scared. The other one was my was my son, who is the oldest. And he just looked at me and goes, thumbs down. He just goes, mm-mm. No. <laughs> and the middle two were just kind of like, I like it. And one of them just said, I like it because her sister said it. And the other one said it because she got to look at the phone and tablet for any particular period of time. And this movie is insane. You cannot, and I, I mean this, you cannot imagine how bad it is. Well, were you familiar with the musical ahead of time? Like, had you ever heard it or seen it i've heard the music from it and i don't like it Mm -hmm. i I just never liked it it sounds an awful lot like a a lot of the stuff sounds a lot like jesus christ superstar and i can't Mm -hmm. stand that show i just don't like it Mm -hmm. there is andrew lloyd weber stuff that i like i can't think of anything off the top of my like fan of the opera i like quite Mm -hmm. a bit i think that's very good and he's got a few other things that i do like but i can't think of them offhand but this this has a very huge jesus christ superstar feel to it especially just the music that's played and i just don't like it and did you know what you were in for in terms of like that that it doesn't really have much of a plot but it's like a lot of people just introducing themselves and sort of having a walk on sing their song and walk off kind of thing i did know that and i did know that for the movie they tried to create a narrative for it that would combine all of the plots together. Oh. And instead, all I got was the word jellical. <laughs> I got the word jellical about 450 times. Did if, they ever say what I, it means? Nope. No, they don't. And what's really funny is that my wife and I watched it. My wife had, had seen this on Broadway, and she loved it. She thought it was wonderful on, on Broadway. Uh-huh. And she thought, that they were saying angelical the whole time, which makes sense. Because, it's a word. and two, it implies that, like, the heavy side layer implies to just heaven, maybe, or, or, you know, anything instead of just nonsense. <laughs> and instead, it's just nonsense to take up time. And this was terrible. You cannot tell someone how bad this was. You really can't. You could tell them it was bad. Like, you and I have seen our fair share of really bad movies and movies that defy the imagination. Like, how Name could they one. have thought? Oh, so many. <laughs> <laughs> Ultraviolet was the first one that came to mind to me for some reason. But at least that, but remember the beginning of that? Remember the yeah, hope the first we had five minutes we thought it was the first be an five minutes movie. where we were both like, I think this is awesome. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie happened. Yeah. This never had that five minutes <laughs> where you're just like, What's going on? All these cats look exactly the same. Why are these some cats? Why are some of these cats really sexy? Why are these some cats magicians? Is that the same cat that we just saw? No, that's a different cat. Is Why does Idris Elba wear a coat? Oh my God, he took the coat off. Oh my God, it's the scariest thing I have ever seen because they forgot to animate his body. <laughs> what? Yeah, so I'm his body kidding. just looks like a big old salamander or something? <laughs> yeah. 
It just looks like a a, br- a blurry brown thing. So it's, it's just like unrendered? Yeah. 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 Or they rendered it, but they didn't put all their effort into it. It's like they it's like they made half of the movie. You and know what watched I imagine? Because I, I actually haven't seen many clips from this. I've, I've heard people talk about it more and I've seen pieces of it. But what I'm imagining right now is that one short clip from what we do in the shadows where the guy transforms into animals. But like for half a second, he's a cat, but he's still got Jermaine's face. You're not wrong. Okay. Except what we do in the shadows is excellent. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie. And this just goes on forever and ever and ever. I will say the second half is better than the first half. Why is that? I think I, I, think I hated every song in the first half. Mm. I, I think they're just, they just did not work for me. I just don't like them. And then the second half starts and there are a couple of songs here and there where I'm like, I like this song. The music's good. The, the lyrics are good. The production value is very good. And then apparently the song that I like the most is, uh, oh God, I can't remember what it was, but I, I guess the main character sings it after memory? Jennifer Hudson cat. No, no, no. Oh. After Jennifer Hudson cat sings memory for the second time. She sings it twice. Uh, oh Yeah. She hmm. sure does, because that's all they got. But she sings this other song that apparently was written by Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber. And I'm like, and before I knew that, I was like, oh, I really enjoy this song. This is a really good song. So that was really good. And the performance that the lead actress gave was quite good. And like, I really, that was my favorite part of the movie was that song that I can't remember the name of. And uh, it's something about ghosts, I think. Oh, there's the timer on our movie. I'm going to keep talking because I gotta, I'm got i on a roll here. I make the rules, I can break them. And so she sings this song. Jennifer Hudson's like, wow, that was great. I guess I'll come with you. And then Judy Dench sends her to heaven or something. I don't know. This movie, this movie, this musical makes no sense. Well, what was the best part? That part I just talked about. Okay. <laughs> and you know why? Because it was just this woman singing to the camera. It had it very much felt like the guy who directed this movie directed Les Mis. And I think my favorite part in Les Mis is that scene where Anne Hathaway has like that medium close-up shot of her. And she just sings that, I said, Cosette, I love you very much. Maybe that's not the song. I forget the name. It's not Castle on the Cloud. The girl sings Castle on the Cloud. It's the song Anne Hathaway sings before she dies. Spoiler alert. I think that's my favorite part of of that musical and of that movie. And Anne Hathaway does a great job. And this movie feels a lot like that in that moment where they're not trying to do all this weird cat stuff. And on top of it, like this weird, oh, we're from the perspective of a cat because that is all over the place. This whole movie, they try to establish real quick that, oh, we are cats in this mm-hmm. movie. We're, we're little kitty cats. So, so everything is real big to us, except for when it's conveniently not. And you're like, okay, so this thing is small. All right. Now it's really big. So like we go into this one house and a table is really small. And then we go into this other house and a bed like a sleeping bed is the biggest thing you've ever a seen. And then, bed. yeah, like a, a sleeping bed. <laughs> As opposed to what? A dinner bed. <laughs> okay. Where do you eat? Uh, at, at a, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to come up with like an eating couch or something. 
And so like the perspective is all out of whack. There's this other sequence when they're on a train because this one cat's talking about being a train cat and they go from being the, the size of the train door to smaller than the tracks on the train. It's like they didn't know how big a cat was. They're just in scale. This movie. Like, yes, the scale. Consistently. Oh my God. It's so confusing and they get it wrong in every scene. And the one scene of this movie I like is just because it's a close up of this lady's face. I would say that the fact that they're not wearing costumes and that it's all CGI cat stuff mm-hmm. is terrible what a terrible decision they they should have realized that on day three maybe and just like gone. just to put people in makeup like they do on the in the musical in the broadway, broadway thing yeah because yeah. the broadway thing after i watched this movie i watched some youtube clips of the broadway show mm-hmm. and i thought to myself oh this is better this is way better than that movie because one, I know it's people. And two, they're in costumes and for whatever reason, like the way like the costumes aren't skin tight like all these cat CGI suits are. So like when people move around, the suit moves around their arms, which adds like movement to the fur and stuff like that. It just adds this level of of motion without having to animate it. Okay. So it doesn't get and, like, overly moved. Correct. And in this movie, they all have tails. They don't have buttholes, but they all have tails. And the whole time you're watching them like dance, because this one cat does ballet, other cats are doing flips and stuff. And this cat's doing ballet and you're like, she should be using her tail for balance here. Whereas instead, she's just kind of like acting like the tail is in the way. Wait, I have a question. Please go ahead. Does the Ian McKellen cat do ballet? The Ian McKellen cat does not do ballet, but he was an excellent part of the movie. Okay. He was he was fantastic. I really enjoyed That's Ian cool. McKellen's Ian McKellen scene. It's kind of screwed up at the end by the magician cat because there's a magician cat. Aren't there two? Well, Idris Elba also knows magic, but he's not like the magician cat. Oh, okay. Judy Dench is in this. She plays the old cat who sends the cats to cat heaven. And at the end of the movie, for about 10 minutes, she just stares at the camera and lectures you about cats. <laughs> I am not sorry at all that I did not watch this. Uh, you should watch Shut it. Shut like, up. Nope. I'm not, not kidding. going to happen. Quit barking. You should watch tree. it because it is impossibly bad. Like, uh, I cannot. Well, and there it, is, if I were going to watch it, the only time I would have watched it was if I was watching it with you at, at your place or something. I am I am not doing that on my own. I will watch this again. I am not just Karina through it either. <laughs> I I will watch this just to watch you watch it. <laughs> the end sequence where Judy Dench is lecturing you about cats ends as many times as the third Lord of the Rings movie. Oh god. Like she's doing like like a rhyming verse and she goes and cats don't like to be patted on hats with their fats and their mats and their shats and she stops for the audience to applaud because what she said was so clever. And then she starts talking again and again and again. And meanwhile, it looks kind of like an Avengers movie does where you can tell they didn't record or or film all the actors on the same day. So they all have that like look of, all right, I'm hearing the director say the audio of this character and I'm reacting. Okay. And I imagine the cut is now. 
great, I'm done. And so that happens like two or three times where the main character is like sitting, quote unquote, behind Judy Dench, just making faces. I can't, I can, I cannot express to you how terrible this movie is. I, there are no words. Everything I've said to you pales in comparison to actually spending like five minutes watching this movie. Five minutes into the watching this movie, I was like, I am so uncomfortable and I want to leave. I but want to see this. You got to see it. You have to see it. You have no choice in this matter. <laughs> you must watch I'll just, this. I'll just never come back to Delaware. <laughs> Nick's going to make me watch Cats. All right. So I'm way over time on Cats. Mm-hmm. My seven minutes turned into 20. Tarzan, the ape man <laughs> from 1981, the year we were born. That's directed true. by John Derrick, starring his wife, Bo Derrick and Richard Harris and Miles O'Keefe plays Tarzan and John Philip Law is this other guy. And then there are other people in this movie. Most of them are african people and they don't even make the cast list on imdb which should hmm. tell you an That's awful lot sign. nope no it's not this movie I, you know what i will say for about the first 40 minutes is just kind of a boring african adventure movie where you're just kind of like okay we're uh we're on this adventure nothing's happening nothing's happening nothing's happening nothing's happening but everything looks nice like you can tell they filmed this i don't know if they actually filmed it in africa i didn't look into it at all but it looks great and bo Derek is is gorgeous and richard harris is very good in this movie i will say richard harris is very good in this movie he plays james parker well is bo Derek actually good in it no Okay, because this is something I've never understood. I've I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything with Bo Derek in it, but I hear her referenced a lot. Like, oh yeah, she used to get naked in movies and be gorgeous. And I'm like, I don't even know who she is. Like, I know that she has dreadlocks in a movie, uh, but I don't think I've ever seen her in anything. So I just kind of wondered if she just wasn't very good. My first introduction to Bo Derek was Tommy Boy back with uh, Chris Farley and David Spade. And I love that movie. That movie's great. But she plays Tom, uh, Chris Farley's dad's stepmom. Like he gets married and then Chris Farley's dad dies at the wedding. And Spoiler alert for Tommy Boy. Bo Derek's just in it for the con. Her and her son, Rob Lowe, are trying to rob Chris Farley's family blind. Like, that's the, the plot of the movie, or the, the secret plot. And she's good-looking in that movie, but she's like 1994 Bo Derek, whereas this is 1981 Bo Derek, and she looks great. She looks great. There's no, there's no getting around it. She does have a wicked case of sunburn the entire time and some scenes it's worse than in others where you can just tell when they shot what because her face is just blistering red but she's got a great body so good for Bo Derek. but she is the worst actress you have ever seen okay. ever and for the first 30 35 minutes you don't really notice because 
She doesn't really have a whole lot to do. She just kind of is strong-willed. But then she meets Tarzan. This Tarzan movie, by the way, Tarzan doesn't show up until almost halfway through it. And this movie is an hour and 55 minutes. So like just about an hour into this movie, Tarzan shows up while Jane is taking a naked bath in the ocean. And... It's at this moment, like the movie up until that point was, well, this is just kind of boring, but it's not terrible. Like, I don't understand why this, oh my God, now I get it. <laughs> like, like it's the minute she meets Tarzan, it turns into a completely different movie. Okay. Um, I thought that this movie was just going to end up being softcore porn, basically, from the descriptions that I've had of it. Uh-huh. And it's not really that bad. Like I said, like it's Bo Derek, so like every, ten, every chance they get to get her wet in her white dress, they take. But it's until she meets Tarzan that the movie doesn't get kind of exposed. And even then, it's just a bathing woman. And, and for for that, it's just kind of like, ah, cool, hot chick, naked. Okay, tired of this now. Tell me a story. And then all of a sudden, all these African people show up, and they're like the painted people. They're they're all like out of nowhere. These this this tribe shows up, and they're all colorful. Oh no, are they the bad guys? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, and their leader is clearly like the guy in charge of their tribe is a man in black is a white man in blackface oh no and it is unbelievable i can uh, it's it's not like the worst blackface you've ever seen and you're not entirely sure they're doing blackface he's just painted but like at the same time you're like this guy's supposed to be an african guy but this is a white guy and mm, this doesn't feel right yeah. yeah. Also, John Derrick is a terrible director. So <laughs> earlier in the movie, at one point, Tarzan fights a snake. There's like this big boa constrictor snake fight where, where Jane gets captured by this boa constrictor and Tarzan rescues her. And it turns into this weird LSD slow motion, really slow cuts for about six minutes of him wrestling with this snake and you're like okay this is terrible this is see i watched this movie before i watched cats <laughs> so, <laughs> so cats really screwed me up with tarzan because because tarzan was gonna easily be at the bottom of my rankings and now it can no longer be that, that can no longer be because i watched cats <laughs> So anyway, Jane and her father get reunited and am then immediately captured by the painted men. I call them that because they all wear paint. They don't actually like have names. We don't hear anything about their tribe or anything like that. They're just locals in, in Africa while they're on their search for this elephant graveyard. And my wife, Jill, watched this movie, watched the second half of this movie. <laughs> she showed up just as the turn happened when Jane got into the water. And I'm like, oh, you missed the beginning where it was 
was boring, but, you know, boring. <laughs> like, not oddly sexual, where there's, like, some weird incest thing going on with her and her dad. It gets so weird. There's so many levels to this movie. To, to focus on a few specifics, they get captured by the Ivory King, as he's called in the IMDb. And for the next five minutes, we have to watch Bo Derek get washed while hogtied while they give her a shower she's taking a shower while hogtied like her hands and her legs are tied to the ground she's on her hands and her knees but like they're washing her and she's naked and the the natives is are she washing like her scared or is she like okay oh yeah with this? Oh, okay. very scared she's crying and she's screaming for daddy tell me a story what? tell me a story daddy what yeah what what why i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know and richard harris starts screaming the poem humpty dumpty sat on a wall while she's being painted white for the ivory king she's being painted white and these two natives are just really working on her boobs like really painting her boobs with their hand painting her boobs with their hands and she just keeps saying help me daddy help me tell me a story tell me a story daddy and you're just like what the hell is going on <laughs> and then tarzan shows up and every time tarzan shows up he does like the tarzan yell like the oh yeah but it's the one from the 30s the the tarzan yell you know when i made that noise yeah. It didn't sound like me. It sounded like the one from Old Timey, but they used that exact same clip. And this guy who plays Tarzan, played by Miles O'Keefe, who's a total hunk, total hunk, who has no lines in this movie except for aww, and he doesn't even get to say them because <laughs> I think it's Johnny Weissmuller from the 30s who gets to say it. And he jumps in, and much like the snake fight, it's this weird lsd struggle for six minutes and then eventually it it just ends and you're just like and that's the end what? of the movie no oh no it's not matt it's not the end of the movie it's not the end of the movie at all you might think it's the end of the movie because the credits start what? but it's so jane gets untied by tarzan and jane goes over to this dude who was into her named holt and he's like got it he's like being hung while sitting like his neck is like tied up to this pole or whatever like he's been incapacitated and she goes holt you'll tell them what happened right and holt's like uh yeah yeah i guess and she goes okay and then she just runs off with tarzan <laughs> And, and she just leaves him <laughs> she just leaves him <laughs> and then we get this weird and when i say weird there are no words to describe the credit sequence of this movie where basically bo derrick gets sexually assaulted many many times by an orangutan and during the credits. i don't mean during the credits and i don't mean like she gets like penetrated or like like physically raped but this orangutan knows what's up and he's going for it and she's just like oh you silly orangutan knock it off and she tries to get away and it grabs her by the ankles and pulls her back in and tarzan's just sitting there laughing just laughing and it goes on you cannot imagine 
how long it goes on for. It's during the credits, the entire credits, the entire credits. We even learned that the orangutan that is molesting this lady, his name is CJ. I'm pretty sure it's CJ. All right, then. I cannot explain it other than the fact that John Derrick allegedly just wanted to see his wife get molested by this orangutan many times. Well, I don't want to watch either of the movies that you saw. I don't want to watch them either. I will send you a clip of the end sequence, though, (laughs) because you have to see it. I will send it to you. (laughs) But it is impossible to describe with words what you're seeing, where you're just like, what? And it goes on for so long. And you can tell that she knows she's... There's like a few times where like she sort of breaks character where she's like, stop it, and tries to get away and can't. And the monkey pulls her back in. Yeah, I don't or know. Or ape. I don't know if an orangutan is a monkey. It's, a, it's an ape. Monkeys are It's tails. an ape. Well, that's a good trick to know. That'll come in handy with my conversation on Outbreak. Excellent. <laughs> and I guess Jurassic World, because those things have tails too. All right. So that's it for Tarzan. I, I don't have anything more to add than that, probably. Okay. So wait, the other three movies we're going to spoil. So should I do I, Tanya first? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So I, Tanya stars Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding. Uh, Sebastian Stan as Jeff Galuli, her boyfriend uh, and husband for some portions of the movie. Galuli. That's what David Letterman would say all the time. Uh, I didn't watch David Letterman. Uh, Allison Janney plays Lavana, Tanya Harding's mother. And then Paul Walter Hauser plays Sean, Jeff Galuli's friend. And this movie is, is uh, I mean, it's not a comprehensive biography, but it, it's giving you more of Tanya Harding's life than just like her time as a, a young adult skating and her older teenager. So you, you really get to see like her relationship with her mom, which is really terrible. And a lot of like her relationship with Jeff Galuli and Galuli. That's what David Letterman would say all the time. Didn't watch David Letterman. Yeah. Um, so this, <laughs> this was a, a, a good movie. It's, it's really highlighting how much of a sad, sad life Tanya Harding had. And I mean, I didn't remember a ton of the whole Tanya Harding thing, you know, like when Nancy Kerrigan was attacked when they were both getting to the Olympics. I mean, I was, I was aware of it. Think back around that time, like my dad and stepmom were watching the Olympics and stuff. So, you know, is is mildly aware of it, I guess, as much as you might be in early high school, maybe, or maybe middle school. Yeah, maybe middle school. Was it like 92? You know, some of the stuff's in 91. I think something's in 94. That might be when the Olympics actually were. So I I don't really know how how in the loop I was, but but I basically knew that, you know, Nancy Kerrigan had been attacked and Tanya Harding had something to do with it. And a lot of the coverage and maybe I'm thinking more after the fact, I feel like like maybe at the time you you might be able to correct this a little bit because you were alive, too. So according to the Internet, it was 1994 is when Nancy Kerrigan got whacked in the leg. Okay, And that is just around the time that my memory got really fuzzy. But (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But um, Matt's brain stopped working at one point. It's something like that. But uh, but I feel like never started. What? Huh? Yeah. Okay. So. At the time, I think people really made it sound like Nancy Kerrigan was this sweet girl who was 
attacked for i don't want to say no good reason because it's not like she should have been attacked but like they really made her out to be this great person and then like later i think stuff came out that was like nah she was kind of a jerk she didn't deserve to have her knees bashed in but the whole narrative about her being great and tanya harding being bad was more like eh, she was kind of a jerk but tanya harding was still pretty bad this movie puts tanya harding into context where basically you're like I don't see any way this woman could have ended up any differently than she seemed to. You know, it's like, man, the path was really being paved for things to just go terribly. Whether it's her or the people around her, it's just a recipe for disaster. And as you're watching it, there's a, I mean, or as I was watching it, there was a lot of the movie where it seemed really over the top. But, you know, at the beginning of the movie, it's like, look, this stuff is based on interviews with these people and information that is not done ironically. And they do cuts back and forth between these interviews, which are reenacted by Margot Robbie and the others, and the events as they're playing out in the movie, you know, in a, in a forward chronology. So it keeps kind of reminding you that this is really how this happened. And it's weird. It's got a lot of humor in it, but it's also a really dark story because it's just such a crappy life she lived. But the attitude everyone has, including her, Jeff Galuli, her Galuli. mom, and... They, it, it's there's something about everybody's attitude about it where it's just so it's the world they live in so they don't seem particularly upset about it and in a way it's even sadder but in a way it also makes some things pretty funny so it's kind of an interesting movie in terms of like making an argument for determinism and how you might be kind of stuck in a place that you're in or on a path that you're on but it is pretty entertaining and I don't know. I, I would say as far as the story goes, I guess it does sort of have a climax because, you know, even in the movie, they're like, here we are getting around to this whole thing that happened. It's why you came in the first place. We might as well talk about it. So I guess there is sort of a, a climax in a way of this event happening. But are the they... movie's pretty steady. It's pretty just like it's kind of got one tone throughout the whole movie forgive me if you said this are they interviewing tanya harding and all too there and nancy kerrigan or are they just re referencing old interviews that they all gave they're reenacting so so it kind of cuts back and forth between the events being acted out and then like tanya harding as portrayed by margot robbie giving an interview in more current times okay so and and at some point there are clips from the interviews and you're like like at the very end and it's like oh okay so that is what that actually sounded like it's really the character or oh, what did i say sean who's probably the weirdest dude like he he's trying to convince people that he's a spy and stuff and it's pretty clear he's just kind of uh, like a pathological liar who believes his own lies he's kind of delusional this is um, the guy that did the attack sort of it's kind of the guy who organized it. And to hear his interview, he's like, yeah, so, you know, I've worked with international uh, spy units. And the person interviewing him, like the reporter's like, but you're not. And he's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, but but I but I am. It's like, yeah, but you're not. <laughs> he's like, but well, but I am. <laughs> and it's one, like I said, it, it, you feel a bit like it, it might be overdone or over the top, but there's something about it where you're like, I don't know. 
know, this feels so specific that it must have gone down this way. And then at the end, you see a clip of it and you're like, yeah, that's pretty much right. If you're curious at all, I would definitely say check it out. At the very beginning of the movie, I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy it because, like I said, I, I was kind of unsure of Margot Robbie before Bombshell. And at the beginning of this, for a few minutes, I was like, oh, no, this sounds kind of like Harley Quinn light. I'm not sure I'm really going to enjoy this and I'm not really sure I'm going to enjoy her performance. But by the end of the movie, I was like, man, she's really good. There are a couple scenes where some of the more vulnerable emotions do show up. Most of the time, Tanya Harding's just pretty hard. But in the moments where she's kind of breaking down, Margot Robbie does a really, really good job. And really, everybody in the movie's good. So as far as like performance goes, I'd say it's maybe more performance than it is story. But the humor that's in there is just this weird kind of strange angle kind of humor where it just hits you in a weird place. And it'll be a serious situation. But some of the people are just so stupid that what they're saying ends up being really funny. So, yeah, if you're looking for kind of a weird movie, check it out. That's interesting. I never really had a drive to see it before you said to check it out. I feel like I know everything I need to know about the Tanya Hardy thing. Like, I know Nancy Kerrigan isn't America's sweetheart or, I mean, she was, but like, she's not like a super great person, but nobody is. And then Tanya Harding's not like the cold, hard monster the media made her out to be, but nobody is. But at the same time, she did orchestrate an attack on somebody so that she wouldn't be able to compete with her in the Olympics. So I got a lot of trouble trying to feel any sympathy for Tanya Harding, even if that's not what the movie's going for. It's just trying to tell the story. I, but, I think it does kind of go for that, though. I, th I think it does go for some humanizing her and sympathizing with her, not for the attack part, although that is at least as it's portrayed in the movie, not quite what you might have walked away from back in the 90s. You know, you might remember it as something like she wanted to have this done to, to Nancy Kerrigan. And at least the movie's version of events is definitely more not that. The boyfriend wanted it done more than her or? Well, see, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much. Um, it, oh, But I'd okay. say, yeah, it's like, it's a little more complex and peripheral. Again, at least as the story's being told by her and by the movie. And I think she does end up being not someone you necessarily would want to be around, but more of an empathetic character. You can appreciate a fair amount about her skating too, because it, it's not a movie where they stop to teach you about skating, but you do get a peek into what it's like to try to do that and what the system that's in skating is like, at least the critical version of it. And that's kind of interesting. And I, I was wondering, and Karina and I were watching this together, like over Skype, because I'm on quarantine right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, we both were wondering, as the movie was playing, like, did Margot Robbie learn how to skate for this? Like, how much of this is her? How much of it's, you know, CGI plastering her face on other people? And there are a lot of scenes while she's skating where the it seems like they purposely went through the trouble of making sure you could see her face. Uh, when I looked at it online, it looked like she did like a few months worth of training. So I think there's probably enough to be able to show her moving on the ice and to show that it's they can sort of scan up her body and go like, look, it's actually her moving around. But then the real tricks and stuff, I think they just kind of CGI her face onto onto a skater. There are a couple scenes where really big moves are going on and it's in slow motion and it seems as though it's a different body 
there are certain like muscle groups that are just really engaged. Yeah. Like it's almost like, like there's one point where she's doing this spin and her thighs and her butt are like super muscular. And it kind of reminded me of like horse muscles in a way. And I was like, you know, she just isn't shaped that way through. I mean, I think it's what a skater would be shaped like to have, you know, these really powerful muscles there. Yeah. And it's like a skater would have like monster legs. Yeah. And, and in the other scenes, she doesn't seem built quite that way. So yeah, it's like Margot Robbie doesn't have a swimmer's body, but could be a swimmer in a movie. And when they show her in the movie, there would be a different person doing the swimming action. Yeah. But I think there is enough of her, you know, with her learning to skate, however much she did to still make it work just fine. If, if you're not paying attention, I just got really curious about it. So I think I was paying a lot of extra attention because I was really wondering how much of it was her. So that's good that you're able to like, I mean, I guess you weren't able to lose yourself in it because you were watching it, but like the fact that you questioned whether or not it was her is pretty interesting and shows the dedication to the craft, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they could have put probably into it. Wasn't this in, in a, a she just wasn't in on the ice herself at all, but that probably was this in a, sucked. an HBO movie. I don't think so. I think it was out in the theaters. Oh, okay. That's weird. What a weird theatrical thing. Like, I don't think people would go to see that. Well, I remember when, when it first, like when I first heard of it, I was a bit surprised that there was a Tanya Harding movie. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but maybe it's cause she was back in the public eye a little bit with like her, her, I think she was on some reality TV show or something and she had become a female boxer at some point. Oh yeah. No, I watched that happen when she was on celebrity boxing. I watched Oh, that. it was celebrity that. boxing. Okay. I watched that entire series. I think there was like four episodes. It was amazing. Really? And not in a good way. Okay. Like really uncomfortable. <laughs> These people are hitting each other because they need money in a way that's different than boxers. Like box, like <laughs> actual boxers are also hitting each other because they need money but they know how to do it. Whereas these people were just like, I'm going to hit you and try not to get hit because I need money. It's, it's like a weird dichotomy. Like where more exploitative. Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Unbelievably. So, and, and Tanya Harding's at the top of the list, but like that kind of feeling where you're like, Oh no, uh, I would love to change the channel, but it, the remote is right next to me. That's a lot of effort. I will not change the channel. <laughs> and you're like, well, like they got me. And so you fall to it. But I did have a question because based on what I said earlier about how it doesn't like put Tanya Harding in a great light, but a, a question plot wise is, did Tanya Harding know what was going on or did they do this around her and she was just as shocked as everyone and then got stuck in the middle of it? Do you really want me to answer that? I really want you to answer that. Okay, well, the the movie and I guess her testimony would strongly suggest that she really had no idea it was going to be some sort of physical attack. There are a couple times in the movie where this idiot guy, Sean, is trying to talk with her husband about it and this guy sean is trying to bring her into the conversation and she's like i don't care stop stop bringing up stuff about trying to scare this woman i just want to skate so i mean the movie's pretty pretty adamantly pushing for that she didn't know that it was going to happen so yeah i don't think there's a way while you're watching the movie to try to determine how reliable the their narration of it is but it definitely puts her in a pretty innocent 
position. It is an interesting story. I mean, like, I, this is my second swimming reference in five minutes, but it'd be like Ryan Lochte trying to break Michael Phelps's leg so he could get a gold medal, or people who represent Ryan Lochte breaking Michael Phelps' leg so he could get a gold medal. Those are the only two swimmers I can think of. I've never <laughs> even heard of the one that's not Michael Phelps. Yeah, he's the American one who got arrested for lying. Uh, he's the Tanya Harding of swimming, but he's a guy, so, you know, it's just guy stuff. But, for but at least he was never a part of an assault on a, on a woman at work, so or a woman in general. Ryan Lochte's got that going for him. For now. So, way to go, Rye guy. All right, is that all you have for I, Tanya? Yep. All right, well, then let's move into Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom. From 2018 directed by J.A. Bayona, stars Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, and other people are also in this. Funnily enough, you remember last week we talked about that movie, The Ritual, or the week before we were talking about that movie, The Ritual? Yeah. The dude from The Ritual is the bad guy in this movie. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that till till my wife pointed it out. Uh, and he's an actor by the name of Rafe Spall. And forget that because he's terrible in this movie. <laughs> James Cromwell is also in this, Ted Levine, Jeff Goldblum shows up, B.D. Wong is in it, and what the hell, what the hell was this movie? Um, How could this have happened? I, I'm going to assume that that at the top of that list of complaints implied there is the, the dinosaur winking at the camera. Oh, you mean when uh, Ted Levine's about to get his arm bitten off? Yeah. Where the dinosaur smiles? Yep. It's like total fourth <laughs> wall break by a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> I even rewound it because I, because my wife was like 20 minutes into this movie. Jill says, I am not watching this movie. Please turn this off. Jill. <laughs> and I said, I'm not turning this off because uh, I've come this far. We're 20 minutes in. <laughs> I have to finish it. And she goes, fine. And she just gets on her phone. And then two hours later, uh, we get to that scene where Ted Levine is in the raptor, the, the super raptor cage, yeah. uh, the Indo, the Indo raptors cage. And he's trying to remove its tooth and the raptor's tail goes up in the air. And he's like, huh, what's that? And he turns around and he's like, is that a great big old fat person? Because that's what he says in Silence of the Lamb, which is his right. most famous movie. It's a great impression. And the raptor smiles. It smiles. And I rewound it and played it for my wife without describing it to her. And she goes, did that raptor just smile? And I, and I started laughing. Yeah. My God. I don't My know. God. I don't know what they're going for. I this this franchise has gone so far off the rails. See, I liked Jurassic World. Like it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Like it wasn't terrible, yeah, was but bad. it wasn't great. I mean it was bad, but it was like a good kind of bad where I was like the nostalgia of it, I was kind of like, all right, you got me. You got me, movie. Uh, I'm on board. And uh, lots of people are dying. So many people are dying. Ah, this is fun. We're having fun. Oh, the kids are back. Oh, please kill one of the kids. Ah, oh, they're both alive. Never going to happen. Oh, she's in high heels still. Why wouldn't she just break the heels off of the shoe? Okay, she's running around. Ah, oh, the T-Rex is here. Giant ocean monster, and the movie's over. And you're like, ah, nostalgia still got me. Because, as I've said before, Jurassic Park, mwah, 
Number one, that's a, a work of art that has yet to be to be seen in this world. This movie is the opposite of that. Yeah. And you saw this in theaters, so perhaps you noticed more than me, but they used all the sound effects from the first Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize how many sound effects, like how much Foley work I would recognize from that movie in this movie. And it is all of it. Uh, you know, I don't remember. I believe you, but it might have been hard to hear over my loathing and hatred. I don't know how you were able to sit through this entire thing. I like, you, you did see this in theaters, right? Like I'm not. You are correct. That. Yeah, no, I saw it in theaters. Yeah. How uh, could you have sat through this entire thing? Well, I I saw it with Karina and my friend Depali, who I will go see these sorts of movies with. Like I saw Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters and Lost World and Lost World this one so we just kind of you know that's the deal we'll watch bad i think she wanted me to go see hobbs and shaw too but that ain't happening well, you, um, haven't, you don't have the backstory so right yeah you, you know that's my excuse you <laughs> should watch all those movies though it's like finding religion i got no interest <laughs> look if there were a monster in it it'd be a different story but there, there might be so, no no thanks so i went so i went with them and that's how i got through it <laughs> I, I, cause there is one point where I think I stood up and yelled at my TV. That sounds about <laughs> I was, right. I was just so mad and I was just like, what the hell is going? Like I figured out, uh, so Matt and I have both seen this. So spoilers for this awful, awful, awful movie. I also watched this after cats and after Tarzan, the ape man. So <laughs> you had a long week. <laughs> what the hell, man? I mean, well, like when okay, so like, here, let's let's start from the beginning. Sure, sure. Like, so they're deciding to let the island destroy itself and trying to determine whether or not to save the dinosaurs, right? Which is there's you know, a philosophical argument that this movie is all about. <laughs> there's an ethical question there, like, do you let nature destroy <laughs> these things a second time? And you know, all right. I, I understand the ethical dilemma there. Sure. I don't know why Jeff Goldblum is making it because he's clearly made the anti-dinosaur case many times before. He had a whole second movie to make it again. Uh -huh. I don't know why he's there except to be in the trailer. Like they must have had Jeff Goldblum for six hours and just let him talk and just recorded all of it and just and put it all in the movie well like, put 30 seconds of it in the movie i guess but this next one is supposed to have him and dr malcolm in it he is dr malcolm uh, I'm, I'm sorry i meant to say dr grant like the third one's dr grant's supposed to be in it somehow uh, all right i'm like what like i, I just don't mm. but but how could you make how could this happen and and the only hope that I have for this next Jurassic Park movie, because they're making it right. Well, they were making it until the virus shut the world down, is that it's going to be the lost fabled plot to Jurassic Park 4 with the dino-human hybrids, which is the point they're trying to make with the clone girl and the dinosaurs, where she's like... They're alive, so I'm alive. And I'm like, oh my God, we're going to get a movie with my dino men. That's going to happen. And and then I got very excited because I would get to see that movie finally. Oh God. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to see that movie. But the fact that someone's going to put $200 million to pay for it so that I can see it makes me weirdly happy. <laughs> 
Oh, man. That's how you know there is no God, because that's, <laughs> that's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen with this one, it'll happen with the next trilogy, because that's what happens with all of these Hollywood movies. If someone writes a script and Universal or Warner Brothers pays for it, eventually it will make it into the film, because God damn it, they paid for it. We're going to use it. And that's what happens with every movie that comes out of Warner Brothers. That's how we got Batman versus Superman, which was a movie that was supposed to come out in like 1999, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, which uh, hilariously enough was the director of Outbreak, which I didn't realize before today. Stay tuned for more Outbreak chat. Well, so so we were starting at the beginning and he said, okay, well, there's a debate about whether not to kill these dinosaurs no no you're missing the real beginning of the movie where you have like the the weird military expedition on the island to collect the skeleton of oh yeah that's right yeah it's like they're they're underwater stealing a tooth yeah and this whole scene actually pretty effective until the one guy is like i can't hear you what you're waving towards yourself but i can't hear i can't hear you over the sound of this dinosaur screaming behind me (gasps) what there's a dinosaur eaten and then the helicopter gets away and you're just like oh no This was the first five minutes. Yeah. Like the first two minutes were like, there are a couple really good effective shots of that weird submarine moving around underwater. And you can see like the silhouette of the giant underwater monster that's alive for some reason. And you're like, Ooh, that's pretty effective. And then all of a sudden you see it like swallow the submarine, like a pill. And you're like, Oh no. And then the Tyrannosaurus shows up. It eats that guy and then gives up on the other people. And, And then the giant fish monster eats the rest of the guy and then, okay. and then the helicopter so you, just you're, gets if away. If we're going to go through everything that's terrible, we're going to be reliving this entire movie. So, so Scene some, two. So some highlights of it being bad. So then they go to the island and the dinosaurs all die. And then you get to see this this moment where you get to relive seeing the first brontosaurus, except this time it's dying. Uh, and then no no you're 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 missing you're skipping the part where we see the brontosaurus for the first time and the weird asian girl who's on the boat for no reason other than to be a raptor veterinarian goes i have to see this and she jumps out of the armored vehicle which would have done nothing against the foot of a brachiosaurus Uh and or whatever it is because i think it has one of those holes in the head it might be one of those things the things that can breathe no the brachiosaurus didn't have the breathing hole in the the top of the head yeah did it yeah i thought that was a whole other thing anyway Uh, you might be thinking of an apatosaurus but those didn't have it oh Okay, I've been wrong before. It's happened. So she's like, I got to get out. And it's great that I watched Jurassic Park just a couple of weeks ago, because the scene where Dr. Grant and Dr. Sattler see the brachiosauruses for the first time is unbelievable. Magical. Yes. And it's Spielberg magic, and it's executed so well, and there's not for a moment that you doubt Hey, I'm looking at a dinosaur here. This is a dinosaur. Yes. This is a dinosaur across a lake and it's beautiful and it's magical. And I've always wanted to see this thing. And this is totally unexpected. And even now, hang on, hang on. Before you get to what, what this movie was like. 
even mm-hmm. now when you watch that and you can see that the effects aren't as perfect as they seemed at the time, mm-hmm. you still are there. You're still brought into it by sort of the majesty of it and the responses of the actors. Yes, because the dinosaurs are the focus of the action that's happening in the frame. Mm-hmm. I watched a video on YouTube. I'm not entirely sure who made it and forgive me for that. I'm really plagiarizing them and so so forgive me. If I if I think of it I'll 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 try to put it in or or if I can find it. But the video that I saw really breaks down the two scenes where the dinosaurs and the Spielberg Jurassic Park take up like 90% of the screen and this the the oh, camera yeah. is Grant, so far Grant is like the size of your thumbnail. Right. And it really shows the scale of these animals. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this movie, the Asian girl who shouldn't be there is the focus of the scene and we're just seeing behind her and she takes up 90% of the screen and the dinosaur takes up this tiny corner and the scale is just so out of skew where you're like the majesty of this animal is gone you've lost me as a viewer you screwed it up especially compared to the Spielberg one who had nothing to to compare his shot against how do you have the blueprint for making this shot and then screw it up mm-hmm. except well, to do it deliberately <laughs> and well, the this new character is supposed to be pretty impressed by what's going on. And you're right, for some reason, taking up the whole screen for it. Uh, the rest of the people are just like, yeah, it's just a dinosaur. Like, they no one else seems to care. They do not seem to care. No, they're like, they don't eh, care. I've seen do- Look, man, I've seen dogs. And when I meet a dog, I still get really excited. I don't care. Especially if, if that dog's excited to see before. you. Yeah, I don't care if I've seen a dinosaur before. I am going to freak the heck out every time I see one. Yeah. There's even the, the, the moment in the first Jurassic Park when they pull up and the dude driving Ian Malcolm's Jeep. Do you know the guy's name? I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah. yeah. I'll go with it. Sure. There is a look on his face like this guy is never going to believe this. Yeah. Where, where even that guy is in awe of the spectacle that is in front of him. Yeah. He's like Whereas watching this, them watch it like you watch me watch bad movies. Exactly. And this movie misses that completely mm-hmm. where Ted Levine, who it took me three quarters of the movie to finally look up on IMDb that it was Ted Levine because I thought it was Liev Schreiber and old man makeup. <laughs> and, and Ted Levine's just in the car in the, the truck, just like, oh, this is so boring. <laughs> this dinosaur's in our way. You great big old fat dinosaur. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Silence of the Lamb impression. Yeah. My Buffalo Bill impression is usually much better than that. I don't know what I, just, I don't know what that last that was, was. That was more of a fat Albert impression. <laughs> um and so <laughs> um, so anyway, nobody cares so anyway, that there's a dinosaur there. No one cares that there are dinosaurs. They're just like, we're here on a job. <laughs> I guess that's what? <laughs> okay, we're going to fast forward a little bit. <laughs> then the dinosaurs all die. Then some of them are taken off the island by a barge. And then they're oh sold in a rich guy's house who uh. has a clone granddaughter. And then... And oh, you dude, find out he, that he, this dinosaur has been trained in such a way that if you want to injure someone, all you have to do is point a gun at them and then pull the trigger that shoots a light beam on them 
so the dinosaur can attack them. <laughs> no, you shoot it's a much more effective than a gun that shoots bullets. You shoot a laser a sight. Dinosaur you shoot a involved. laser sight at the target. Right. And the, the, the super Indoraptor locks in on it. And then when you hit the sound effect button, which I believe is instant rap horn, bow, 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 <laughs> the, the dinosaur will then attack, which the fact that they thought that this would work for military applications is insane. You, of course, need the dino-human hybrids, which are coming. They're coming. That's going to happen. I'm uh, sure it's going to happen. <laughs> going back to the island, the only reason that our main characters from the first movie are in this movie is to get the lead raptor from the last movie in order to sell it. And they bring all these people there. They get Chris Pratt to get up to the dinosaur up to the point where he's like petting it on the face. And the dinosaur is like, Oh, Hey, what's up, Chris Pratt? It's been a long time. I remember you. We're best friends. And Chris Pratt's like, yes, we are best friends, Raptor. Blue. And then someone shoots it. Yeah. Blue. And then someone, someone shoots it. And Chris Pratt's like, <laughs> everyone chill up. F out. And he's still got the raptor kind of under control. And then the raptor attacks this dude that pulls a gun on it. And then this guy shoots the raptor with one real bullet. He mm -hmm. shoots it one time. Yeah. What? What? How? Like, I can, I can see if you're being attacked by a raptor. And one, you have an automatic rifle in your hand. And, you're, and it gets knocked from your hand. And, you're, and you have a sidearm and you pull it. You're not firing that trigger one time. And also, one bullet is not going to stop a raptor from biting your head off. Like, you have to shoot that thing until it's dead. I mean, probably. No, I've killed so many raptors. <laughs> it's just, that's what you have to do. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Like, you shoot it one time, and luckily you have a raptor doctor there. Yeah. And, and it's just... What nonsense was this movie? How could this movie have happened? How could they have made this? How could this have happened? How? I don't know. How? I don't know. It's insulting. It's it disgusting. Is. It's boring. It's boring as all hell. And the, the only twist that I thought they were going to throw at us was when the little girl goes up to James Cromwell and she says, Grandpa, he's trying to steal dinosaurs. And James Cromwell was like, go to bed. I thought he, when she left the room, he was going to pick up the phone and go, the girl knows too much. Shoot her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been more appropriate. I'm not going to say better because nothing would make this better, but like, at least it would have matched in with their stealing sound effects from other movies. And then instead the dude from the Richard just comes in and smothers james cromwell to death and you're like why is james cromwell in this at all <laughs> well and another thing that's just one of the weird things is it like so they the terrible evil plot is basically just to make money off of selling dinosaurs which to be honest with you that's cool that's fine <laughs> but that was the but, whole point of the whole thing yeah but the cost of dinosaurs surprisingly low surprisingly low that one dinosaur goes for like four million dollars yeah i'm like you know what 
cost of education for uh, your psychology degree, not that much less expensive than a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, like that That first dinosaur is like the Allosaurus, the tank one. And I'm like, that's an Ankylosaurus. I'm sorry. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm like, that's a name brand dinosaur. I know what dinosaur that is. Four million dollars for a name brand dinosaur. That's right. like your that's like your Levi's of dinosaurs. Four million bucks, you should be getting one of those chicken sized dinosaurs. <laughs> right, exactly. For four million dollars. Especially since these are the last ones because everything else is dead now, apparently. Because we got to watch that last one appear on that dock and slowly melt in lava instead of going into the water chasing the boat with its giant neck where it can just stay above just water. Walk through the water. And <laughs> yeah. Probably be more comfortable in the water anyway because it's a giant uh, heavy animal and the water would support its weight. Yeah. The other thing that pissed me off is I don't know a lot about volcanoes. I don't know a lot about dinosaurs. But I do know that when a volcano erupts, the thing that kills most people isn't the eruption or the fiery balls of lava that will hit you but it's the gases yeah that come out of the volcano get poisoned I, I, by the, the polluted i, I want to say pyroclastic flow but oh, i could oh, yeah. be i feel like that's almost right but like that's like the all the gases that you can't see that kill you before the shockwave even hits you or something like it they melt you well you're and just this, being you're just being a pessimist you probably don't even believe that you can talk yourself out of being tranquilized <laughs> I'll just, Nancy. Pick, I'll just pick my arm up that I can't move with my other arm that I can. Oh my god! How could how could this have? How could anyone have seen this and gone? We're on the right track. Keep going. <laughs> like like this is this is the Batman and Robin of this franchise. Yeah, like, I always thought Jurassic Park three was the dregs and. I'm not wrong, but at least Jurassic Park 3 is only like 87 minutes. And after you've watched it a few times, it's pretty passable where you're just kind of like, this is stupid fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And that's the big like, difference. That one's actually kind of fun. Kind of fun. This one, not fun at all. Nope. There's no fun in this movie. The only fun part I thought was when Chris Pratt got the dinosaur with the big skull to smash through the wall. I was like, that's pretty funny. I was like, all right. But then it goes on for five minutes and I'm like, okay. And then that thing shows up again two minutes later. I'm like, oh, really? That's all you got. The main villain of the movie shows up in the final act of the movie, the, the Indoraptor. It shows up in the final scene of the movie practically. And then Blue the Raptor has to fight it. And then Blue the Raptor's like, I'm done fighting for you humans. I guess I'll just go kill regular people from now on. <laughs> and, and then the plot from the Lost World starts. The plot from the end of the Lost World starts, where it's just these dinosaurs off in the, in the wilderness, which is a horrible tragedy. So many people are about to die because that girl, that little girl goes, I'm alive, so they're alive. And I, I understand it's a tough decision for Bryce Dallas Howard to make, but like she makes the right decision by not hitting the button. But the fact that no one stops this little girl from hitting the button. Well, they weren't looking that way. <laughs> they were looking the other way. Like, and then she's like, well, this. they're alive. 
like me. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I would have been fine with you dying anyway. <laughs> you also should be dead. <laughs> the truth is, I came here to see awesome dinosaurs, and I want them dead so this stops happening. And you can die, very, too. I don't The care. very end of the movie is they're her parents now. <laughs> like, the dinosaurs? <laughs> No, <laughs> the little girl but like yeah. like what i think like, i think they can probably ship her off to john travolta from face off he'll take another <laughs> kid he'll just be like well can we keep her oh face waterfall all right can, are we done can, with jurassic World yeah can too? this movie die until mm, the sequel yeah all right. And then we'll have to watch all five movies again. There are just the first five. one. Yeah, we'll have to watch all five before the sixth uh, one comes out so that you have the complete story. Well, I've definitely seen the first one more than any of the others, but I can tell you <laughs> with absolute certainty that I've seen the third one the second most. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. And that'll probably always be true. Yeah. Because the second one, the second one I haven't seen as much, which really gives it a, a shiny side. The Lost World really gives it a shiny little polish to it because you haven't seen it as much. No, there's a reason. And you're, al- you're always like, oh, that second one was okay. No. It's not. No, I, I've never thought that. I hated that movie from the first time I saw it. And it, it's not quite as ridiculous and stuff to be fun like the third one, but it's got a whole extra hour to it. So it just sucks and is boring too. It's yeah. not quite as bad as Fallen Kingdom, but it's in there. It's probably the one I want to watch the least after Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. All right. So until the next Jurassic Park adventure. We're moving on to Outbreak. Now, this is part of my Coronathon, 19 or 2020. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Outbreak is from 1995, which is what I was trying to say before, directed by Wolfgang Peterson. It stars Dustin Hoffman, Rene Russo, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey, Cuba Gooding Jr., and Donald Sutherland. Patrick Dempsey is also in this movie, and he plays like the dude who starts everything, uh, which I didn't realize until today. But I love this movie. I love this movie so much. This this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it is two hours and seven minutes and could easily be under 90. If you get rid of the love story, if you get rid of the government conspiracy story, and it's just a story about these doctors trying to solve this mystery and get the cure you got yourself a a solid 90 minute movie there but you lose all the cool helicopter stuff in the third act and i love all that helicopter stuff it's so terrible and so corny but i'm like this is amazing i am on board i think dustin hoffman is outstanding in this movie renee russo is great morgan freeman cared back into 1995 so he's really good in this movie movie donald Sutherland was never in as many movies as he should have been like a movie narrated by Donald Sutherland and Morgan Freeman would be the best movie of all time. You You could have like a dueling voices thing going on. (laughs) Yeah. Where they just take turns. Oh, that would be great. Cuba Gooding Jr. is in this movie and this is pre Academy Award Cuba Gooding Jr. where he was like really good and you're like, oh, this guy's really got something to offer before he just gave up. I've been hearing stories lately about how Cuba Gooding Jr. Jr. likes to like allegedly 
get up on women at clubs, allegedly, and finger their buttholes. Well, who doesn't like to do that? I don't know. So, (laughs) there's going to be a a hot drop of allegedly at the beginning of (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know what happened to him. He, He was really good for like three years. He's in like all these really good movies, and then he just snow dogged it i was just <laughs> gonna say snow dogs happened like i don't like let's take a look at his i i got his name right here let's click on it let's see let's go back to 1995 outbreak and then he was in losing isaiah i don't know anything about that the tuskegee airman which was a big hbo movie in 95 1996 is jerry Maguire, which he got the academy award for then he was in Trading Favors, which I've heard of, As Good As It Gets, which is a really good movie. What Dreams May Come, which I really enjoyed back when it came out. Uh, uh, I've don't, heard I will not like it if I go, go back. back. To that. Yeah, that's why I haven't gone back, because I heard it's terrible. But I'm like, I really like that movie. I, I loved it. I kind of cried when it was on. And he's just in Welcome to Hollywood, A Murder of Crows, Instinct, Chill Factor, The Kid, Men of Honor, which was terrible. That's the Robert De Niro, Cuba Gooding Jr., African-American Navy diver movie. It gets really racist, but like that's the point of the movie. And then he was in Pearl Harbor. He's in Rat Race, In the Shadows. He was in Zoolander. I don't remember him in Zoolander, but Snow Dogs, Boat Trip, Flighting Temptations, Radio, which I saw in theaters. Oh, Lord. Oh, man. That is... A lot of time I will never see again. And he is just like, like that was it. Like he was in radio and then he just kind of gave up Daddy Day Camp, which I think is the sequel to Daddy Daycare. American Gangster he's in. I don't remember him in that, uh, but that's a really good movie, but I don't remember him in it. So he was uh, in that OJ Simpson show, uh, which he got a lot of, of, of acclaim for. So that's, that's good. And then he played Cuba Gooding Jr. in big time in Hollywood, Florida, which I know nothing about, but yeah, that OJ Simpson thing is like the only thing that he's gotten any kind of positive reviews for in the last forever he was in selma from 2014 but i never saw that i don't know much about it other than it's supposed to be good seeing as how we've been doing an hour and a half of the show and we still got other stuff to do maybe we don't need more of cuba gooding jr corner other things that cuba gooding jr has been in include boys in the hood which was the first time i saw a boob in a movie i'll always remember that boys in the hood so that's exciting for me and finally kevin spacey is in this movie and this was back when kevin spacey was amazing back when you were able to like kevin spacey for not being a monster of a person and you're just like man like this is right before he really made it big i think it's just before la confidential came out but he's quite good in this movie and and you're watching him you're like this guy's got something you're just like this guy's got something and now he's a monster which is just disappointing. Anyway, so Outbreak is a story of basically Ebola gets into America, and America's the only place that matters anywhere, and uh, the virus is in this small California town, and Dustin Hoffman has to stop it. Donald Sutherland thinks it's a biological weapon that they have, so he wants to keep it, and Morgan Freeman is caught in the middle. And spoiler alert, (laughs) <laughs> for the for outbreak after the military drops the bomb on this town to kill everyone uh morgan freeman steps in to say donald sutherland you're f- you're relieved of command <laughs> and 
And then that's how the movie ends. And you're like, that's too late, Morgan Freeman. The plane <laughs> dropped its bomb. It's, it's too, I mean, I understand the significance of what you're doing. You're still two minutes too late. Like, like the bomb is already blown up. For all you know, the town is, oh, it hasn't been destroyed. Okay. But this movie's great. I love this movie. If you haven't seen Outbreak, you should watch Outbreak. I don't know how it stands up to today's scrutiny, but it's, it's a 90s action thriller drama, according to IMDb. And it's about germs and everyone was afraid of viruses and we only care about America much like with our current situation where we only cared until it got into America, at least Americans <laughs> or a majority of America only cared until it, until it got into America. Oh, this wasn't real. This wasn't actually a thing, at least according to the administration. Anyway, Matt, have you anything to add about Outbreak? I have seen this movie twice. I saw it once when it first came out on, I guess back then it was VHS. And then maybe like 15 years ago, I saw it again. And the only thing I remember is is this is the movie where someone's uh, suit rips, right? Like they uh-huh. get a tear in their suit and they're worried about getting the disease. Uh-huh. That's all I remember. Is that scene? So I feel like that must have been a pretty oh, effective man. scene, but that's all I remember. It is. It is very effective, and the whole time that that happened, I watched both of these movies today: Outbreak and <coughs> Contagion. Big mistake. And um, but I watched Outbreak, and when Kevin, it's Kevin Spacey's whose suit tears, and you're just like, why would they engineer it that way? <laughs> you're like, why? Like he just takes a bad step, and the hose he's connected to, and like the the super CDC lab or like the, the biohazard lab tears. And you're like, well, that just seems like a terrible design flaw. (laughs) Like, why don't you, why don't you separate the body from like the waste from the head? Like, why are the, why aren't those two separate systems? But you know, anyway, that's what I thought of, but I love this. I have seen this movie probably 50 times. I love it. I think it's great. I love the climax of the movie where, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Dustin Hoffman are in the helicopter in the way of the airplane and they're and they're like, We're not moving. We're not moving. I think that's just great. It's thrilling. Even today I was like, Yeah, damn right, you're not moving. Oh, I wonder if they're gonna slam into you. And you know, I know how it ends. And according to IMDB, this is the fourteenth most popular movie on IMDB right now, which is insane. That doesn't for, surprise me. I wonder what contagion is at. Contagion is number one. Holy I was shit. Say. <laughs> It's up there. <laughs> That's great. People are ridiculous. You watched it. I did it for the people who are ridiculous. Uh-huh. I did it for them. The people. You, the people. That was Bane. And yeah. so I love this movie. If you haven't seen this we, movie. Are we talking about time, Contagion now? No, no, we're still in Outbreak. Oh. Um, go back and watch. Go back and watch Outbreak again because it's great. It gets corny. It could easily be a half hour shorter. The love story does not need to be there at all. Uh, And the government conspiracy thing, like I said, doesn't need to be there. But without it, you would have no third act. So, yeah, whatever. It's fun. So, Outbreak. Super great. Now, Contagion from 2011. Directed by Steven Soderbergh and starring the entire world of Hollywood. From Ben F, I'm sorry, from Matt Damon to Gwyneth Paltrow to Lawrence Fishburne, Jude Law, everyone's in, everyone is in this movie. 
if they were in an Ocean's Eleven movie, they're probably in this somewhere. And Matt, you famously despise this movie. this movie. Yeah, yeah. I because this, this movie thinks it's amazing. This movie is so goddamn proud of itself. It's just it's repulsive. This movie is amazing. This it movie, would be. This it would movie, be fine if it movie, didn't think it were the best thing in the world. This movie deserves to be proud of itself. This oh, movie no. is wonderfully shot. It's fantastically ac- accurate. And it is, especially in literally this week's time span, we are at a quarter of the way into the movie contagion. Like I had to stop watching this movie halfway through it because something was going on in my house. And I went upstairs and I said to my wife, we have to get our shit together. (laughs) I'm like, like, like this this is like the lines from this movie. I feel like the current political administration, like the Trump administration just took the script from contagion and are just reading lines from it. Mm-hmm. There's literally a part later in the movie where I want it's either Brian Cranston or Lawrence Fishburne is saying we need to practice social distancing, wash your hands, everyone just be smart about their interactions, stay away from each other and it is almost word for word what all our health professionals are saying right now. Mm-hmm. And god damn it God damn it, this movie got to me. It got to me so hard. It got to me so bad. <laughs> Just like uh, like the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, oh man, this is this is amazing. This this really this really shows us where we're headed. This is this is really where we're gonna go. Uh, I'm not looking forward to the next few weeks. And and how did Matt not like this movie? What was Matt's problem? How did Matt how did Matt not think this is the most amazing movie of all time? Like I'm like watching it, I'm just like, how 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 did you how did you hate this movie? Like this was this was just above Aquaman on your list for so long. <laughs> Before you begrudgingly gave it up. Like even to the point where like even Jude Law is Alex Jones in 2011. Like this movie feels so like prescient of the modern environment where it's like some internet guy is going to like control the way people think and he's going to try to sell you a cure with his magic toothpaste. And I'm just like, oh man, this movie is so effing accurate. Oh God, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, give me more. Give me more movie. Give me more. Oh God. I loved it. I love this movie. This movie is fantastic. Except for the Marilyn Cotillard part. That movie doesn't make any sense. That part doesn't make any sense other than like Stockholm Syndrome. But if you don't remember that, then... I don't. I don't blame you for not remembering. It's very forgettable. Is she Jude Law's ex or something? No. She's just a random, like, uh, she works for the World Health Organization, and she gets assigned to figure out where the virus came from. And she gets teamed up with this, I don't want to say Chinese, and he's the guy from The Dark Knight who's really good with calculation. Oh, okay. And I, I can't tell if he is from China or Hong Kong in this movie, but he speaks Chinese, and he is her translator. And basically, he kidnaps her. 
And then over the next 180 days or whatever, she becomes sympathetic to their cause and is like, well, we're just going to get you the vaccine then. Man, that is not, that does not sound familiar at all. Yeah, it doesn't need to be in the movie. It's pretty useless and and a little distracting from the, from the overall plot. But the movie itself is under, uh, it's just an hour 46 as it is. And it's, it's pretty tight. It's, it's, it moves real quick. And I loved it. I love this movie. I cannot understand how you hated this movie. I cannot, I cannot wrap my head around it. Uh, I mean, I, I could, I'm just going to keep saying the same thing in and of itself. It's not a terrible movie, but it's so, so self-congratulatory. I disagree. I, I completely disagree. Well, okay. I accept your apology. You are allowed so, to disagree. Um, and so, all right. So this is, this show's gone on long enough. I don't have any other movies to talk about. Matt, yeah. I guess it's time for our movie rankings list. You have so many to add to your list this week. Yeah, I'll be quick. I'll go through uh, I, Tanya. So, oh, yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. First, right? Hold on. Let me pull up the text message where I explained to you how the the movie ranking thing is going to work. Did you get that? Yeah, I couldn't follow it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to read it word for word and not say anything else about it. Okay. So here we go. I figured out the movie ranking math should work out nicely. I mean, I emailed you links to the Google spreadsheet if you want, but here's how it goes. So we take your total score without the what do category and divide it by five to get a number out of five number. Then it goes in order. It has the same score as another movie on the list. The deciding factor is what movie gets the higher position is the difference between what I thought you would give the movie and what you actually gave it. So if the score you gave a movie averaged out to be a 4.1 and, and I thought you would give it a 3.5, that's a difference of 0.5. Six and another movie you saw also averaged out to be a four point one, but I thought you would give it a four. It has a difference of point zero zero point one, so the zero point one gets the higher spot. <laughs> huh. All right, what's, you want to know what's really crazy about that is it took me like ten times as long to type that out. Oh, I believe and you. Ne- and you never responded. Nope. To it. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on there. <laughs> I read it twice and I was like, nope, that didn't make any more sense the second time. Uh, I uh, sent you the link. You can see where your movies end up. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you guess that I'm going to give I, Tanya? I think you'll give this movie a three. All right, let's see. So story-wise, I, Tanya is going to get, I guess, a, I guess like a 3.5. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a bit higher than a 3, but definitely not a 4 because it's not quite engrossing. But even though it's pretty steady in its tone and everything, it does hang together pretty well. It does to, to kind of set you up for ending up where the movie, I think, wants you to be. Acting. Uh, I got to give this movie like a 4.5 on the acting. It's really good. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, acting's really good. Pacing, I I guess there's nothing nothing wrong with it, but nothing about it that really makes it feel like it's moving much throughout, so I'll give that a 3. The aesthetics are effective, but they're nothing special. I'm going to give that a 2.5. And enjoyment, I think I'll give it a 3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably going to average out higher than I thought, so that's cool. Maybe a little bit. All right, so that's all the movies you saw this week. That is. I saw a bunch. All right, Matt, what do you think I would give Outbreak? Um, I think you'll give a four. 
Uh, so Outbreak, I'm going to give the plot of this movie a three and a half. It's pretty contrived, pretty generic. Uh, acting, this movie gets a four, an easy four. Pacing, the movie does really move along until kind of the end. I'm going to make it a four. It gets a four for pacing because uh, I love this movie. It gets bonus credit. I'm going to take that back. Three and a half. And that's just going to go into my enjoyment of this movie. Aesthetic, it is a really well shot movie. It has a lot of practical effect. I think everything in it is a practical effect, except for a couple of blue screen things that you can really tell. Like there's this one scene where you're looking up at like 40 helicopters flying across this town and you go, no, that's not 40 helicopters. But for the most part, it's it's all real helicopters, whereas in a modern movie, it would be all CGI helicopters, which is always distracting. So for aesthetic, I'm going to give this movie a three and a half. And for enjoyment of this movie, it gets a four and a half. I love Outbreak. <laughs> all right. So let's go to the other side of the spectrum. Matt, yeah. what do you think I'm going to give Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? think you'll give it a 1.5 that's what i was thinking you would guess plot this movie gets a 0.5 acting it gets i want to say a one not because of the little girl because she's she's just terrible <laughs> yeah and that's not really her fault like i don't blame a little kid for her acting but she's got no business being this movie pacing i will say the movie does move along i would give it a two the general aesthetic it is really well shot like it looks fantastic the special effects in this movie are much better than they were in the first jurassic world uh, a lot of these dinosaurs look phenomenal uh, especially the indoraptor like it looks it looks really real to the point where i couldn't tell what the difference between the if there was an animatronic or a cgi animal in some spots like there are a lot of times where you can tell it's clearly a cgi but sometimes i was like did they really make a dinosaur for this so from a technical standpoint i'm gonna give it a three and a half like it's a really well made movie uh but for enjoyment i'm gonna give this a 0.5 i hated this <laughs> Matt, Tarzan the Ape Man. We oh, think, man. We think I'm going to give Tarzan the <clears throat> Ape Man, which is fun, which is a fun question, because if I hadn't watched Cats, I can guarantee you it would be a higher score. Uh, a one? Plot for this movie. There is I'm going to give a I'm going to give it a one because the first half of it at least makes sense. <laughs> the first. Actually, I'm going to give it a one point five. Because the first half makes sense, and you're and you're on board. The acting it gets a one because Richard Harris is quite good in this movie. That's it. Pacing it gets a one because it's it just gets ridiculous. The aesthetic I'm gonna give a point five because even though it looks like we're shooting on location, it looks terrible. Everything looks very flat. Everything looks very bland. It looks like we shot from the bank of the river on the other side of the river. Everything just looks very uninspired. And as far as the overall enjoyment of this movie, see, now this is a difficult question because if we had the, t if we were 17 and we had time and I was like, Matt, we're going to watch this Tarzan movie and you're going to sit there and you're going to take it. <laughs> like, I would be like, this is amazing. This is the best. This is the best day of my life. Watch, making you watch this movie <laughs> because you'd be so uncomfortable. 
<laughs> That's why I was I was texting Matt uh, after it was over. I was like, just watch the last ten minutes of it, and and you'll get like a taste of what it's like. <laughs> but like, I got no enjoyment from this movie at all. It's not sexy. It's not fun. You don't feel like you're on an adventure. You don't feel like you're you're having an a, an exciting time with Tarzan. You don't feel like you're lost in the wilds of Africa. You just feel like you're stuck with Bo Derek, who has one acting mode, which is bite my fingernails because I seem. I guess that's just how you look nervous, and uh, I guess I'll yell for my daddy. This movie gets a zero point five for enjoyment. I hated this. I hated this movie, Matt. Yeah. What will you think I will give the movie Contagion? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. 4.5. So plot for this movie, I'm going to give this five stars. This is a very realistic plot, especially in the 2020 mindset. Like everything about this movie feels so real that it that it could be happening right now. Um, essentially, we're in the first quarter of Contagion right now. We are three states entering quarantine away from being halfway through Contagion, where, where the riots start happening. So take that for what you will. That's my opinion on it. Acting in this movie, I think this gets 4.5. Lawrence Fishburne kind of feels like he's mailing it in a little bit, but he's also supposed to be kind of reserved, so... Eh, I don't know. Pacing for this movie, five stars. This movie flies by. It's fantastic. Aesthetic for this movie, I'm going to give it a four. Uh, there's a lot of color temperature stuff going on, which is I think is very distracting, and uh -huh. it's supposed to explain where you are. Like, a lot of the northern stuff is very blue. Uh, like, Matt Damon's whole storyline and much of Kate Winslet's storyline takes place in Minnesota, where it's very cold, so everything's very blue. And Lawrence Fishburne is in Atlanta, which is, you know, usually very warm, so everything's very orange. And there are a lot of color temperatures in between. But, I mean, I get it. I just found it very distracting, color temperature-wise. Like, there's this one point where Matt Damon is, like, pulling a gun on a teenager to protect his daughter out in the snow, and you're just like, wow, this screen is really blue. Like, everything is very blue. It's the opposite of what Mexico looks like in a Steven Soderbergh movie. And so, uh, I, I take points off for that, but I don't, I don't really blame it, because how else do you make stuff look cold other than blue? But enjoyment of this movie, straight up five. This movie gets a five. Super great. Matt, mm -hmm. what do you think I'm going to give Cats one. the movie? A one plot. There isn't one. There is less of a plot in this movie than those Lonely Island movies that I've talked about in the last couple of weeks. There is nothing going on. I have no idea what the plot of this movie was other than to get to Cat Heaven. So I'm giving it a 0.5. Acting. Some really good moments. I'm going to give acting a 2. These actors do as much as they possibly can with this garbage script as they can. Like the Ian McKellen segment, he kills it. He, he slam dunks it. The main girl, who I think this is her first movie, is, and she's like a ballerina. Like, she's like a famous ballerina. I'd never heard of her. But she does a great job, especially with that one song I really liked. So the acting, the acting in this movie is great. Like, the actors should not be blamed for the performance their computer-generated images turned in. Mm -hmm. Pacing. This movie gets 0. .5. 
I got no idea what was going on with this movie. No clue. It never ended, especially at the end when Judy Dench is just literally talking at the camera about what a cat is. Aesthetic, I would give it a 1. I'm going to give it a 1.5 for aesthetic. Because it definitely feels like it's back in time. Like it takes place in the 30s or something. I don't really know. Uh, but it looks it looks good. It looks expensive, except for when it looks really cheap. Like there are so many unfinished effects. But I will give it a 1.5. Just because they did put a lot of effort into the cat ears. <laughs> the, the ears on the cats. Those look really good. I, I thought not having human ears would be unbelievably distracting. Not so much. The the cat ears look great. So there you go. Enjoyment. This movie gets 0.5. That might go up when I inevitably force you to watch this movie. But for right now, it's a 0.5. I hated every goddamn minute of this experience of watching this movie. I hated it. Well, you gave this movie a one. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right, Matt. Anything for Midwest Matt recommends this week yeah there's a sister podcast to i hate it but i love it called the villain the villain was right and it's actually yeah it's hosted by the husband or the boyfriend i guess of one of the hosts of i hate it but i love it so it's another two canadian hosts male and female get along real well good chemistry funny and their premises they're always talking about a movie where they're like hey you know this antagonist is actually on the right side of things. Let's see here. I can tell you what the first episode was. More recent one was iRobot. It's called The Villain Was Right. The very first episode was Wayne's World. And huh. so it seemed like Deadpool 2, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Avengers Infinity War. And it's just saying like, yeah, you know, watch the movie from the villain's perspective because they actually are right. And they basically end up talking a lot about how like, the protagonists are dicks in, in every movie it's but it's good good review material good jokes pretty likable people all right that's cool yeah. uh i have recently checked out two of your previous recommendations i hate it but i love it which is the sequel or sister show to the show you just talked about and what's the other one about real crimes oh uh red-handed red-handed and uh, the red-handed show i was listening to the other night as i fell asleep and it was scary like i was like, <laughs> listening to it and I, <laughs> I was listening to it and i'm like oh this is kind of scary i'm not i'm not i'm not really feeling this but you know i'm on board but i'm like my eyes are closed and i'm falling asleep and while that's happening I feel like a little itch at my side like on the side of my hip and i go oh what's that little itch i got oh that's nothing. Just ignore it. Just listen to your show as you fall asleep. That itch is moving up. Uh, I guess I'll scratch it. And it was a bug. <laughs> there's, there's a bug on my hip. I'm pretty sure it was a stink bug, but I don't know what it was because I grabbed it and threw it across the room and I've never seen it again. But I screamed and I yelled and I woke up my wife and my two daughters who sleep in our room. And my wife's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, oh, it's just a, I think it's a, a bug on my hip. But I was listening to something really scary on my headphones, so it bothered me. <laughs> Turn your damn headphones off and go to sleep and rolled over and went back to bed. Uh, so that was fun. So make sure you check out Red Handed. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. All right. If you want to send us an email and tell us what you saw in movies this week, perhaps you've been stuck at home for the past 14 days and you've watched a lot of movies, unlike Matt, who I've saw so many. 
And can you uh, imagine if email. I had watched a bunch of movies? We're on two hours now. I would have really stuck to the the time limit of seven minutes per sure. movie. I would have stuck to it. I was I was so positive we were going to get out of here in an hour and a half. Send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com or contact us on all the social networks. Mac, do you have anything else to add? Uh, nope. All right, well, if that is the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. And remember, judge movies, not people. And it's practice pleasant. social distancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, that too. Don't, don't go near anybody. Yeah, Although I did get to, I did get to speak Spanish to a guy at a supermarket the other day because he was trying to buy Lysol and they were all sold out. And he showed me a picture of Lysol, and I said, uh, "No, uh, difícil," which is Spanish for difficult. <laughs> and then he went, "Ah, see," sí, and walked away. <laughs> I went, oh, slam dunk on today. Today was a good day. <laughs> All right, Cause then. Because I, I got to be a superhero because I spoke a separate language. I helped so the guy. You were a superhero because the guy asked you where something was and you said, no, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs>